This project is supported by a charitable donation from Pfizer Limited. Hello, I'm Victoria Derbyshire. I was 46 years old and getting on with my happy life. I didn't feel as though I had a care in the world. And then came breast cancer. This podcast, brought to you by the Future Dreams Breast Cancer Charity, is for those of you who've experienced a moment like that. And for everyone in your life that's affected too. Your family, your friends, your work colleagues. The people who are caring for you, who hold you close. The people you lean on. It's a podcast for that moment and for what happens next. This episode is called Breast Cancer and Your Breasts. Not exclusively yours, but ours, and how we feel about them and how we feel when they're removed because of our cancer treatment. I have four women here with me today. My name is Samantha. I'm 38 and a mum of two children. I've got a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old. I was diagnosed uh, with breast cancer at the end of 2018. And I finished treatment in February 2020, so just before lockdown started. Um, so that, that's been interesting, uh, mm. really. But yeah, and uh, I had a double mastectomy and I chose to remain flat. Hiya, I'm Leslie Finney. Um, I was originally diagnosed with a Hodgkin's disease many years ago when I was 30. I'm 60, 61 now. And uh, subsequently have had three breast cancers coming out of the radiotherapy that I had. Uh, my last cancer was in 2018 and I had a double mastectomy. Um, and I'm a psychotherapist by training and I've got two grown up children now, Matt and Amy. So yeah, that's me. Nice to meet you all. And you. You've had cancer four times, Leslie. Four times, yeah, I have. And I'm well. So, you know, it's. I feel like the uh, the guy out of Monty Python, you know, the uh, life of Brian, when he's lying on the floor going, I'm going to bite your kneecaps off, you know, <laughs> still in there fighting. So, yeah, I'm well, still here. you are very welcome. You really are. Hello, I'm Vera and I had breast cancer when I was 39. I'm 57 and I had... Um, Late mastect, um, late uh, reconstruction, five years after breast cancer diagnosis and the treatment. I'm mother of three, and I worked as a psychiatrist for the NHS full time, and I'm here to um, help in any way. And yeah, thank you for inviting me. Not a problem. Thank you for being here. I'm Sarah. Um, I'm 30. Uh, sorry, I'm 39. I'm 40. I've just turned 40. I'm forgetting. Um, I was 37 when I was diagnosed with breast cancer in uh, 2018, summer of 2018. I'd not long returned to work after my second maternity leave. Um, had just finished breastfeeding and um, and then my lump appeared. Um, so I finished treatment in January 2019 and I had a single left sided mastectomy with no reconstruction um, and I've had no regrets from, from not having a reconstruction. Okay. I want to ask you all what you thought of your breasts, whether they were important to you before cancer. Sam. Um, I've had, I think, a bit of a complex relationship with my breasts. So I was a professional dancer for years. I still work in as a movement coach, actually. Um, and I think when I was younger, 
I had a fair amount of stick around being uh, really small busted. And then... What was your bra um, size, Sam? Probably a a B, but Mm. barely a B. Um, uh, But that kind of worked in my favour, actually, through dancing and and costumes, and it wasn't really an issue. Uh, And I ran a lot. I ran marathons. So, again, my lifestyle meant that my breasts were kind of functional. Um, and, And because of my frame... I think that it was it felt in proportion as I got older it became less of an issue the size of my breasts uh, I as I you know I had two children I breastfed and actually that they, they got a bit bigger it was lovely mm-hmm. um and then they went really small as it as what happens you know after yeah. you breastfed potentially um and and so I think pre-diagnosis I didn't have a great relationship with my breast whatsoever because I just felt I felt quite embarrassed I felt, um, yeah, they'd served their purpose, mm. I think. So so when it was presented to me, you know, that it was a choice of having a reconstruction, the amount of work that would need to kind of go into creating a breast that I didn't really have um, in the first place, you know. So it was a different decision for me um, yeah. in terms of for the reconstruction point of view. It's okay. not like I had... Big boobies. No, and we will come back to the to to, to conversations about reconstruction. And Sorry, I want, I'm no, no, it's fine. It's fine. No, absolutely fine. <laughs> and we need to explain in a moment, which we will do, what reconstruction is, because certainly before I had breast cancer, reconstruction to me, I imagined, was literally like a big building site with scaffolding and all the rest of it. We need to explain what it is in mm. terms of breast cancer. But Leslie, you, how important were your breasts to you, or your? How important were they to your self confidence, or not? Yeah. Yeah, I I think they were just part of me, to be honest. I don't think I had any particular feelings strongly or or not so strongly about them. I mean, like Sam, I was a 34B mostly until I had children. Then they did get bigger. And I was probably a bit more self-conscious that they got bigger. Um, But, you know, as long as they helped me when I was running and didn't jump up and down too much, I was fine with them, really. Um, And like Sam, I breastfed. So they, I agree, it was functional. Mm. It was something that you know, it filled my clothes. Um, I felt okay about, didn't have any issues with them really. So that's, yeah, I was fairly okay with them. I had good relationship with my breast. I felt that, you know, it's like um, made me who I was. And I felt that my upper part of the body was kind of more nice, if I can say, better looking than my legs or anything like mm. that so for me and I love styling as well and I love to kind of um, love colors and love to dress and I and I felt like that part kind of was affected for me and um, maybe that's why initially I was so scared after having the operation and the diagnosis I didn't want to hear about anything to do with additional kind of operation to have that? Well, I would say it was a two-phase, a two-phase relationship. Um, The first phase would be, you know, late teens, into my 20s and early 30s, where I had a good set of boobs, you know, 32E, great. They were pert, brilliant. Mm -hmm. Two children later, my relationship had, you know, completely changed. It It was less of a... Of an, uh, of an important part of my kind of femininity almost. They had served a function. They had been affected by that functionality of breastfeeding. Uh, you know, what was left 
I remember the plastic surgeon saying to me, you know, oh, okay, we could do, we could do something with the other one. Uh, it was his kind of view of, you know, when I'd been diagnosed. So I'd kind of moved slightly, my mindset had moved from the, you know, these are great, they stay up without a bra, brilliant, mm. fantastic, like I look great in a bikini, to they've gone, they've gone. Like they, you know, the spaniel's ears now flapping around after <laughs> two, two lots of breastfeeding. Uh, so by the time I was diagnosed and then thinking about mistake, uh, what, you know, what the surgery options were going to be, my mindset had moved on and it felt uh, slightly less less of an issue knowing that I was probably going to have to lose one. Okay. How much did it matter to you that one, or in Leslie and Samantha's cases, two of your breasts were going to be removed? I only found out three days before my double mastectomy that it was a double because there was... Um, uh, there, there was some complications that happened before and I had quite an extensive area of DCIS so close to my chest wall on one side. DCIS? What, 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 how would we describe so, that, Sam? So pre-cancer. Yeah. Pre-cancer. So, so I had gone in initially about one lump, which turned out to be covering, you know, the breast with lots of small tumours and this area, which wasn't picked up on. So um, my initial consultant was, you know, this is a single mastectomy. This was an absolute single mastectomy. And I had this feeling in the back of my head that it, I wasn't, it wasn't a single, it was going to be a double. I knew that, but it wasn't until three days before my double Gosh. that I was... That, that that was confirmed mm. so um i think yeah m mine's maybe a little, little bit different but i was okay i was okay with with this um i had come to terms because there'd been a little bit of time it wasn't a right next week we need to get this out you know there had been three months between diagnosis and surgery and a few surgeries investigative surgeries leading up to that point but why were you okay with it both breasts think, going gone yeah I think because I just uh, because you have different perspective when when you get when when you're given that diagnosis, things for me things changed shape. I understood that okay, well there are there are more important things to consider right about now, mm. um, and I would like like it, living, like living, yeah. and I would like it out of my body. So yeah. let's just get it out, yeah. um, and then let's manage. And so weirdly, it, it became clearer. Things became far clearer. Um, at that point for me mm. you know um, when you say let's just get it out that reminds me of a, one of my closest friends who before I had my um, mastectomy single mastectomy said you just need to get the fecker out she's <laughs> Irish Catholic and, and, and it really made me laugh that's I felt like you Sam get it off get it out get this cancer out of me I don't care that it's a breast sure. Leslie I can see that you're nodding in agreement yeah. there tell me how you were feeling yeah, I think it, exactly that. It's something like alien inside your stomach, uh, stomach inside your breast. Um, I had a different experience from Sam, though, mm. in the sense that when I first got my first diagnosis of the first breast cancer, I felt it, I found it, and it was tiny. Um, and I had a phone call and they said, you know, you can have a lumpectomy, you'll have some more radiotherapy, etc. And I thought, yeah, I'm on board with that. Just like you said, get the fecker out. But when I turned up on the day, um, suddenly they were showing me pictures of mastectomies and scars and all the rest of it. And I was not prepared for that. And I went into it, I think into a, a freeze. Mm. And I was like, why are you cutting my breast off for this tiny little lump? It didn't make sense. And the breast cancer nurse was brilliant. And she said, well, I'll represent you. 
Um, and there was a real disagreement, I think, in the multidisciplinary team between the, the, radi- the consultant radiotherapist who said, but you've had too much radiotherapy. You know, there could be all sorts of complications. And at that time, I decided just to have the lumpectomy and the breast cancer nurse supported me through that. And then I did have more radiotherapy. And I was apparently one of the first to do that post Hodgkin's. Right. Um, and then when I had my second one, I, they just said, well, we'll do the same. We'll do absolutely the same. So obviously, by the time I got to the third one, it was like enough already. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is not going well. And then I was prepared, but it felt like I went into a bit of a fight over it. It's almost like I was fighting cancer not to take my breasts away. Gosh. Suddenly, they became really important to me because they um, were. You had the prospect of them being taken away from you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. yeah, different experience to Sam, I guess. Yeah, um, Vera. Um, in terms of. The, the decision for ha- to have a mastectomy, what did that make you think of in terms of losing one of your breasts? Well, I was told that when um, the operation was needed that I had scattered calcification throughout my breast. And it was interesting because I never had a lump. I was 39, but I, I have to say that I did feel that something was um, not right with my... Oh, my cat Bruno is coming oh, to say hello. Bruno, hello. <laughs> it's fine. We like we like animals. We like children. Oh, Bruce, yeah. <laughs> and um, and he, uh, the surgeon said to me, "We're gonna have to remove it all." And I, and I was in 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 panic. And I said, "Yes, please do that." And I, you know, I was so anxious about it that I'm gonna die. Mm. So we kind of, I just went along whatever it was suggested. But then with with time, it took me five years to kind of decide what I actually want. We can actually hear Bruno purring now. Leave yeah. him there. Leave Bruno there. Let's hear live purring on this podcast. <laughs> Hang on. Shh, shh, listen. There it is. And Bruno just walks oh, across various desks. Sorry, sorry. Carry on. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, it took me like five years to decide what I want to do. And... Oh, you know, at the end, I kind of made the decision. But everybody kept asking me, how did you know, you, you know, something is wrong? So I just had this intuition that something is wrong with my breast and I didn't know why and, and how. So I went to my GP and I walked in, I remember like today, I walked in and I said to the GP, I would like to have a mammogram, please. And he said to me, you should not walk into my walking clinic. You're young. You have no family history. And, you know, you don't have a lump. I don't think it would be necessary. And I kind of slapped his desk and I said, I wanted it angrily. Mm. And he said, okay, please, you know, let's do that. And they called me two days after that urgently. And then kind of I knew that my fear yeah. turned into reality. Sure. Sarah, what about yourself, the prospect of losing one of your breasts? How did it affect you? So from diagnosis to my surgery was 10 days. So um, I, that sounds very, very quick. And it, it wasn't because of the of the seriousness. It, it, I just benefited from having health insurance and I was able to be seen very quickly. But in that period of time, my whole view after my surgeon said, you know, the size of your tumour, which was like, I think it was about five millimetres. We're not going to be able to save your breast. You're going to have to have a mastectomy. Mm. 
Um, and when as soon as he said that, that was the initial, oh, okay, this is slightly more than I was expecting. But as soon as he said that and I kind of absorbed that information, it became a case of, as we've, Sam and, and yourself, Victor, have alluded to, I just want it out, mm. get it out, get it out, get it out. Mm. I don't mind mm. what's left there. I don't want to have cancer anymore type <laughs> of thing. Yes. Um, and it's that urgency that seems to, for me, just took over. I will say I had a couple, I had another lump in my right breast, which they didn't think was going to be cancerous, but they still did, needed to explore and, and take a biopsy from. And, and actually waiting for the results of that side, knowing, well, actually, could I be up for a double mastectomy here? Um, that was slightly more concerning to me thinking, right, well, I know I've got it in the left breast. I know that that's going, but if I'm going to have it, if it's in the right side, uh, am I going to have to you know, what, what will, how will I feel if I'm going to have a double mastectomy? Uh, That, that thought, I'm not sure I had got my head round in the end, it was fine, but, but that was actually probably more of a fear for me if it had actually, you know, been confirmed that it was in my right side as well. Got you. I'm just listening and I'm thinking, oh my God, you are so strong. I remember when I had it, I was in pieces. I was crying. I couldn't think straight. I couldn't even like make decisions. And and it's perhaps maybe it was such a surprise for some women are just like unable to even make decision. Yeah, they have to have somebody with them to take notes. <laughs> For example, I, I had that. I needed somebody with me because I wasn't taking in anything. I was, I think, probably, you know, re- really sad what happened to me and and, and I, I didn't cope well, I guess. I think that's that normal, though. I think, yeah, yeah some, you know, yeah. you know, at some point you, you, you kind of, well, tell me if I'm wrong. At some point, however strong you think you are, you crumble a bit at some point, yeah, don't you? Because yeah, it's, it's an absolute absolutely. shocker getting the breast cancer diagnosis. It comes back to the fact that we're all so individual. So we how one how something might present in somebody else, it's going to come out in a different way in somebody else. And so that's something that cancer has taught me, that just because somebody on the outside seems to be, you know, doing it all totally fine on their own, who knows what happens when, you know, the doors are closed mm-hmm. in Absolutely. the bath at night time. Yeah. You know, and I just think there's no there's no right or wrong or no one way to get through this or time bound either. Yeah. You know, how long it takes one person is going to be completely different and it doesn't mean that one person is more strong than the other. You are totally it's right. That yeah. We manage it differently. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you all now, to describe, if you were looking in the mirror now, I want you to describe to our listeners what we would see on your top half, Sarah. Um, so I have, I had skin saving surgery, and that means that my surgeon left it open to me. Um, if if I wanted a reconstruction, there would be a pocket of skin left there in which to insert an implant if at a later stage I decided that was the option for me. So I have what my six-year-old son has has called a shrunken booby. So one one left, uh, one on my right side, uh, and then a shrunken booby on, on my left side, um, which has no nipple. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a pocket of skin um, there that's left there. And I wear a prosthesis um, over that. So I'm kind of symmetrical. Okay. From, yeah. Leslie? If you saw me, um, on the surface, I would look 
you know, before taking my clothes off, would look quite normal. I've got two breasts uh, reconstructed. And we're, I know we'll talk about that in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a, like a scoop of skin taken out of the middle on each of one. And I've now had reconstructed nipples as well. I didn't have any nipples for, for a while. One is bigger than the other, mm-hmm. which, you know, maybe I'll go on to because I find that uncomfortable. Um, I feel sometimes like, do you remember Les Dawson? I'm probably showing my age here. But, you know, when you he used to push his breast up from the side, <laughs> it feels like a, yeah. I want to do that. For, for, um, just a minute, for younger listeners, Les Dawson <laughs> is a com- uh, was a British comedian who would sometimes dress up as a woman. Am I right, Leslie? Yeah, and he, he would do a, pull stupid faces and, and, and he would have fake boobs and wear a dress and push his boobs up and for some reason uh, in the 1970s that was funny Um, anyway so carry on Leslie yeah so on on that basis you know that's how I think I get my sense of humour to to cope with that (laughs) so yeah it feels like one would be really heavy and 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 weighted down Mm. the other one's more perky so there's a bit of a discrepancy really that's what you'd see Sam uh, so I have two horizontal scars across my chest. Uh, there is a separation in the middle, uh, but I, it, yeah, it's been over two years now since that initial surgery. Um, and they have, although they were quite pronounced to start with, I've had quite a lot of scar therapy over them and they're far less noticeable now. They're quite long. They they wrap around much further than you think, only because there are, you know, there's a surgery, investigative surgery around the lymph node that means that it takes it further lateral, but mm. but it's then they're neat, you know, they kind of blend in. I think I'm very lucky in terms of, you know, from a mastectomy scar point of view that I'm I'm at peace with my scars. Yes. And, um, so you are flat, Samantha. And yeah. if we imagine you've got, a, 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 I mean, from the photographs I've seen, I've, I've just, you know, you've told us the scars have faded a little bit. But imagine if someone's got a, a, a red pen, essentially, a felt tip, yeah. and draw not a straight line across each area where your breasts used to be, but but slightly more curved, slightly more so, gentle. Yeah, I think with mastectomies, it, it depends on uh, a number of reasons. If you're going to stay horizontal or slightly on an angle, if mm. there's chance for a reconstruction delayed later, I think they tend to take it on an angle. Whereas I was, I was quite adamant that that wasn't some that wasn't something that I was interested in. So they did therefore take it far more horizontal, but I had a left booby surgeon and a right booby surgeon. So there is a little bit, you know, they're they're not twins. Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) They're slightly distant relatives. Vera, (laughs) if you took your top off, what, what what would you see in the mirror? Describe yourself to us. So I've got a normal breast that had to be adjusted to the... Um, reconstruction. So when I had the reconstruction, I they had to kind of adjust it. But one is kind of normal, a little bit floppier than the other one where I had the reconstruction. Mm. And I also had nipple kind of tattoo um, done after that. And it looked pretty, not different from my natural breast, but the tattoo faded. So it's just one, it's more kind of perkier than the other one. And obviously natural breast kind of sleeps around me, whether the reconstruction one stays kind of always in one place. So if yeah. I lie down, it will be like, you know. One slightly higher. A bit different. Yeah, 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 yeah. And when we say reconstruction, we're essentially, in most cases, we're talking about a, a, an implant that goes 
under the skin. That's how you described it, isn't it, Sarah? I mean, my own, for example, there's a scar under where my right breast used to be. They literally lifted the skin up, put an implant there, pulled the skin back down over it and sewed it up. So I've still got my nipple. Obviously, there's no feeling there. There's no sensation there. Um, for those who have implants, does it feel like you? Do they feel different? Well, I can I can say for mine, mine had to be done differently, Victoria. For um, I, I was flat, even dented on when they took the breast off. So they had to kind of bring a muscle from the back, make a pocket, and then put put the implant in there. Right. So for me, I've got a scar at the back coming from from my back and coming around to my breast. So they kind of had to, um, they do it so cleverly. They are really clever. But they does, had to, does the reconstruction or the reconstructed breast, does it feel like a part of you? Well, I, I notice that I sometimes can hit it and just feel the kind of, uh, a, a kind of dull hit. It doesn't kind of, it, it does and it doesn't, mm. but I don't have sensation on my skin yeah. on that Leslie, part. what would you say? Yeah, I had, a again, a different, I had a reconstruction by using all my stomach tissue. So I've got a scar from hip to hip. Um, and there was quite a lot of remove from that to put in both breasts. Um, and what I've found since is it doesn't feel like me at all. I think it's the thing that probably most upsets me about it. Um and it feels disloyal to the hospital because they've done such an amazing, amazing job. It's not about what they've done. It's about me. Um, I used to work with people with eating disorders as a psychotherapist in the NHS. And when they used to talk about their body distortion, I could understand it, but I hadn't felt it. Mm. And I remember when I came out of hospital, I went and saw a load of friends and they were really trying to be positive. And they were like, wow, look at you. What an amazing cleavage. You know, how busty you are. And it felt all I felt was shame. Did you? And I just I felt like, can you not look mm. at me? It suddenly felt like all the best world in the world, you know, all their comments were actually making me f feel like you don't know how it feels inside, mm. you know. And I think my advice to anybody who's trying to support somebody going through that experience, for me anyhow, is just to ask them first, what does it feel like? How does it feel? You know, what's gone on for you in your body how do you feel about it now as you're asking Victoria because I just felt I felt like this is stomach tissue it's like it's literally stomach tissue it's been shoved in mm. like in a melon that's had a top mm. on top of it and trying to adjust to that and obviously the stomach scar as well at that particular time where it's healed a lot I just thought it it was alien it was really difficult and it's taken a lot of adjusting because they're bigger yeah. Um, I went for a bra measurement size and they and the size just kept going up and up. And when she got to F, I just said, can you just stop? I can't do this anymore. Really? Um, yeah. And they're not as swollen now as right. they were then, but it was just the shock, mm -hmm. you know, of that sudden mm -hmm. change in bra size and all of it. It's a massive adjustment, I found. Um, can I ask something, Leslie? Yeah, like, of course. That, so, like for me, because I had I had quite small a quite small bust. So when I um, had my breast removed, my body posture didn't change. It, it didn't impact my my physicality. And I suppose because I'm quite in tune with it anyway. But I mm. felt comfortable, and it wasn't massively noticeable, you know, to others. Although at the time, I that's all I thought people were noticing. But but actually, 
it I don't think people notice but actually if you're going from what you were before and then suddenly going up mm. like do you feel like your physicality shifted or like your body posture or what yeah. what impact did it have having breasts on yeah. you that weren't yours physically what was the impact on the rest yeah of you? that's a really good question so I think I think what happened is I started to wear baggy clothes okay I started to hide myself I started to move forward you're right I used to have sort of hunched over um and tried to stop you know put scarves around just try to not draw attention to them um because I didn't want people to notice and it was suddenly like yeah they were you know people could comment on them which nobody had bothered to do before so it was a very visual thing and I just felt distorted I felt huge I felt right. absolutely huge and it was a distortion I know yeah. that now but at the time you would have convinced me you know so but yeah, also so. at the time it's because it's all we're thinking about right so we're convinced that actually that's all anybody else is thinking yeah. about as well absolutely so I think time is a good gauge for that because that gets for me anyway that's mm. got less over time yeah absolutely definitely yeah, yeah. I think there's this funny misconception with people who, uh, who who haven't had breast cancer, that you if you've had a reconstruction, you've had, oh, you've, you know, you, but at least you're getting a boob job out mm-hmm. of it. And that has actually been said to a friend, at least you're getting a boob job out of it. Mm-hmm. You're not getting a boob job out of it. You're having this, this surgery it, it, because you have to. This isn't a personal choice. That, mm-hmm. A boob job is a personal choice. And you, 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 you may be doing it for a variety of reasons and you might want to court comments. Having breast cancer surgery, whether you have a reconstruction or not is not really a choice you have it you may die. if you don't you may die um and and you're just doing what you feel you need to do to make yourself feel the best you can after you've had that diagnosis and it, it's a, such a strange I find it such a strange comment from people mm. that they think you you know it, it's okay to say oh well look you've got a good cleavage now as you've mm. said Le- Leslie mm. yeah, but I haven't, you I haven't know chosen what, though, to develop this. I think it's that's absolutely. a human thing that, and I don't, it's difficult, but I think people just want to try and make light of a really, really dark, horrible thing that they cannot even comprehend. Mm-hmm. And actually, if, if, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think people, I would hope that people actually aren't being serious on that. Mm-hmm. I think that they're just trying to uh, alleviate some, because I had it to me as well. And all, you know, you might be able to get, I was like, oh, I could get a massive boob and a small boob. And there was a lot of kind of jovialness around that because I was trying to make other people feel comfortable with the yeah. shit show that I was in. Mm. Sorry. No, Do you know don't what I mean? So I don't sorry. know. So, some of that I think maybe come came from me, but I've heard loads of people say the same thing, Sarah. Loads of people mm. have said that that's kind of, my, I don't know what it is. My equivalent was not to do with my breasts. It was to do with my hair. And it was well-meaning again, as as these things often are. And it was from a viewer who emailed to say, I, I much prefer your hair shorter. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, you know. No. Please don't. Like, if I chose I to have my like... hair cut short, great. It would be okay to make that comment, but I had no effing choice. It fell out because yeah. of chemo, and that's why it's short. Obviously, I just ignored it. And, and again, yeah, it was well-meaning, you know? It really yeah. was. Yeah. <laughs> Looking through a rammed wardrobe but still nothing to wear? Discover how to organise your clothes to give them a new lease of life. Make it easy to put together looks to create the image you want. A simple Marina Rinaldi wardrobe detox video consultation will give you a better understanding of the clothes and colours that suit you best. Welcome to an inspiring, 
stress-free wardrobe. People around you, loved ones, uh, people you might date, husbands, partners, are they aware of your changed relationship with your breasts? Can I take this one? Do you mind if I hop on this one? So I was divorced, actually. I I got divorced maybe four years before my diagnosis. So I was, um, but I was dating someone at the time. Mm. Um, And so, but we weren't dating for very long. So then obviously I lost my breast and I just felt really uncomfortable. And so I kind of... I just wanted to finish it. And I was going through a lot at the time mm. anyway, and we didn't have that kind of foundation to, to yeah. lean against. So that that was that. Um, I've recently started dating, like, a, and um, he's only known me flat. He's wow. only known, actually. The first time he saw me was on, on a, a media thing that I did. And so that he saw it along with the rest of whoever was watching that. Was that the um, full Monty on Ice? Y- yeah, and, that was, and I told him, I said, be prepared. You know, you don't mm. have to watch it. Mm. But we hadn't, you know, we were not at that point. Um, and he did. So, and, so sorry, let's yeah. be clear. You hadn't spent the night together at that point? No. Okay. No, not at all. So, you know, it was very early, early days. Um, but I knew potentially that that would be if he was going to work. I didn't want him to stumble upon that, basically. Yeah, That's yeah. not something, you know, he, we'd had that conversation because it is a conversation that needs to happen now. Yeah. Unfortunately, by the way, uh, I don't have breasts. Mm. And... Uh, and so that's quite an important conversation. And I don't wear prosthesis either. So, no. How did he um, respond when you said, by the way, I don't have breasts? Ah, well, neutral, because I said it very early on. Mm. It was like a, we're, neither of us were that invested, I suppose. Okay. We were having this really lovely friendship. And I just said, before when this goes any further, you need to know there's a few things that... I come with a few things now. And so that has evolved, though, and... And in and into this really intimate, caring, loving, accepting thing that I've never experienced before. Previously, you know, or, or being flat. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm in this unique space at the minute, which is nice. Um, can I ask a really personal question, Samantha? And sure. tell me to bugger off if you don't want to answer. Do you have any sensation on the flat bits? So I'll, I'll share something with you because uh, this is the first time that I've been aware of this. When I did have breasts, it, it I loved having them touched, even though they were very small and, and I felt a little bit ashamed about it. In a space of comfort, they were still very sensitive and and it was a really lovely feeling. With this lovely gentleman, I we've had that conversation that actually I used to love that, mm. you know. And and so he uh he touches me as if I would have breasts. Oh, and I God. get a similar sensation although there's not of course it's not the same because there's an there's areas where I don't have that sensation but whatever it did before it not only does something similar it does more now because there's a level of intimacy and and vulnerability and trust that I have um with this person uh, and it's fascinating and I and it's quite new so I haven't quite figured it out yet but it is almost as if I still had breasts I don't know if anybody else is you know would have that but I don't have, this is who it is now. This mm. is how it is. So I can either spend the rest of my days apologising for that or I can just step into it. And because he's matching that and coming at me completely the same, it it's it's a turn on. It's weird. Wow. So I'm amazing. laying that out there. There you go. That is yeah. amazing. That is, and, I, and also, I've, I've never heard a woman who's had 
a double mastectomy talk in those terms. So that is, you've given me mega insight there, Samantha. Thank you for that. Uh, but it's it's more than just touching that space, though. One hundred percent. Everything. It's, it's, it's the way you you've know. described it. Of course, it's the whole. It's, there's a there's a there's a friendship. There's an intimacy. Yeah. There's a, there's something on a different level. It, the way you've described it, though, it's actually made me feel really emotional. That's how mm. soft Aww. I am. Yeah. <laughs> um, Vera, let me ask you about your husband because you mentioned earlier it, it took you five or six years before you decided to have that side reconstructed and I think he was he was key in that wasn't he well I probably was so self-conscious about you know not having one breast and kind of mourning for that breast in a way and hiding myself I wasn't kind of wanted wanted him to see me flat I felt you know he might not like me anymore. He might leave me. Maybe the breasts were important for him, and I kind of couldn't talk about it. And it's just like in the way I was kind of closing in. You know, lights are off, and I'll go quickly do, you know, shower and mm. quickly go in. And if we were intimate, I was keep all my top on, my pajama, and covered. And uh, and he's. You know, he said, you have to relax. It doesn't mean anything for me. If you want, you can consider it. Why don't you consider it? Because he could see me. I wasn't who I was. And I kind of feel felt that I lost that femininity. And um, I thought how I'm going to restore all of this. I had three children and, you know, great marriage. But he was... He, 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 he could see me that I'm, I'm kind of, I need a bit of a push. And because I was so lively and kind of happy and loved, you know, having intimacy with him and it completely then changed. I, I wasn't feeling, you know, wanted. I, I couldn't get enjoyment from my sex, from my sexual life. And, and he, he just felt that, you know, something is wrong here. And, and, um, then I realized, actually, you know, this probably need, can be adjusted. If 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 I want to feel a bit better in myself, I should perhaps give it a go. And I'm I'm happy uh, that I did that. Mm. And it felt like I, you know, we I completed myself. Although I don't look how, how I looked before, but in a way I I'm more relaxed and uh, I'm not kind of hiding my body anymore. Sure. It's giving you your and, confidence back, it sounds yeah. like. Yeah. It, it did, it did. And I, I, I really kind of understand other women when I see in the clinic and they talk about the, you know, your body kind of uh, 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 issues. Mm. And I, I completely understand. And and some people would say, oh, why did, some of my friends saying, why did you go for another operation? Didn't you had enough? And I'm like, you know, I, I kind of, felt that it's not because oh I want to look good and everything but I just felt in myself if I have life to live then I perhaps can do this for myself for fun yes people have operations and do all sorts of stuff and then I said why can't I just have this if I feel that it's going to help me I'm going to have to give it a go and and I did it probably took me five years to kind of understand that yeah what about you Sarah um, yeah, it, it's, I'm kind of, uh, everything's out there for me, if you see what mm. I mean. It's, uh, uh, this is happening, um, 
I, you know, I was one of those who would have would have gone topless on on the beach or, or even in front of friends. It wouldn't have bothered me, you know, years years ago. Now, um, <laughs> now, I I've drawn the line at going topless in front of friends, right? Um, but that's actually probably more to do with what's left on my right side. Yes, <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe I'll test it as soon as we're allowed to go on holiday again. <laughs> but in, in front in front of um, in front of my husband, I I, I no, I will still go. You know, it's getting dressed out the shower. No, it's absolutely fine. Mm. It's all out there. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't feel more, you know, I don't feel I need to kind of cover this up or, um, you know, hide away from, from his glance. Um, yeah. But I think then probably the next step for me is kind of when I am on holiday, I am or with, and with usually with friends, I am more self-conscious of, uh, going without my prosthetic, mm. uh, you know, in the mornings. When you say prosthetic, kind of can I just check what you mean? What it, what do you mean by prosthetic? Um, so uh, it's a fake boob, essentially. Right. That's, you know, it matches my right side in terms of size. Yeah. Um, what, the, and you put that inside your bra, do you? Inside, inside my yeah. bra. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. a bit like a big Our chicken fillet. It's swimwear, isn't it? Yeah. When you put yeah. it in there. It's a bit like bras. what, sorry? It's a bit like wear. a chicken fillet. I remember when yeah, I was, yeah. yeah, yeah, had to wear chicken fillets to make me look like I had boobies. <laughs> Got, but yeah. these are bigger. They're yeah, obviously yeah, a, they're full, bigger. a full boob. Yeah. Um, right. So, yeah. So, squishy. So, so I've got an implant, which is and it doesn't match my natural breast. So it's a bit a bit like you, Sarah. It, one side is a bit smaller and slightly shriveled, although it's actually it's my real nipple. And then when I put a bra on or a bikini on, I've got a, a kind of triangular, like a pin cushion, which I can put um it's not cotton wool. I can't think of the right term, but know, something to pad it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which I then put in the bra or in my bikini. So I have been swimming on holiday with friends. And of course, the bloody things fall, been floating <laughs> oh around no. in the bloody pool. <laughs> oh no. oh and, and, no. and I am embarrassed. No one says anything. The, my boys know what's going on. I'm like, quick, grab that for me, will you? <laughs> um, and, and it's, you know, it's fine because I'm with friends. I'm with my family. It's fine. And, and I just, I'm just completely used to it. It's the most normal thing in the world now it's just it's normal and it's fine because I am you know one one breast down but I'm alive and that's I also think it great. helps with the, those you're yeah, around absolutely. if you're around family and friends who love and accept you and know that that is that you are surrounded by that buffer of of acceptance that's and true so it's it's okay if a boob goes amiss yeah. you know yeah 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 someone yeah. will bring it back and, and tell you and laugh with you <laughs> yeah <laughs> we'll bring it back for you <laughs> Um, <laughs> Leslie, you know what you were saying? People were saying, oh, you look great. Oh, look at your cleavage. Yeah. What is it about people who th- think they can say stuff like that? Again, yeah. probably they're coming from a, a place of, of love and affection and yeah. a well-meaning point of view. But what do you think it is? I think it's exactly that. I think, I think, and I think Sam sort of hit it as well. People don't quite know what to say. Mm. You know, they they stood with me all the way through it. And in fact, the day of my operations, you have to, have, I don't know if anybody else, perhaps you with stomach construction, you have to wear big knickers. You have to wear massive knickers for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And all my friends wore big knickers, Aww. you know, on the day I had my operation. Mm. So I think it was just their natural tendency that, to name what's gone on, really, you know, if I look at it in that sort of way, and to celebrate something. Mm. 
but it's it's the fact that and that makes you feel well it made me feel awful because you sort of think I know they're being kind yeah. I know what they're doing but it was far too soon mm. and so in that sense I, I think it's just that jarring isn't it between mm. like you said you know somebody's saying to you, you look great with short hair mm. but actually you didn't choose that um and you know like I think Sam say you know people or you know was may choose to have their, their boobs reconstructed you yeah know? somebody said to me oh at least you've had the tummy tuck now I could laugh at that yeah. but I could actually laugh at that because that didn't affect me as much mm. you know that that scar didn't but for some other people that would be really offensive yeah. so you know it depends on how we take it in the moment sure. as well doesn't it in so. terms of what people say to you Samantha is it true that a consultant said to you that your life would be worse if you yeah. didn't choose to have reconstruction and if you remained flat. Yeah, I mean, th- this, there's a little bit of complexity around that, but okay. yeah, basically, my first so my first consultant was a female consultant, and um, she left. She she wasn't because there was a lot of negligence and and bits over my case and others. But basically, her, her comment she was flabbergasted that I would even consider not reconstructing Um, but she said you know your life will be adversely affected if you if you don't and you're you're very young just a lot of negative her own narrative really Mm. but um but for many people that that would be really really detrimental massively Mm. um and so yeah that needs to be flagged really because that's not anybody else's decision or or, uh, opinion to take into consideration no so yeah are there any of you who are more self-confident having had breast cancer two of you put your hands up so that's sarah and samantha oh and vera now Mm. okay (laughs) um go for it sarah tell us why I think it's a case of realising that all of the small shit that you used to worry about, about your body, uh, the realisation occurred to me, it doesn't matter. I'm now kind of fighting for my life in inverted commas. That sounds very dramatic. That's not actually what I mean. Mm. But but the it was the it was an adjustment from why was I bothered about my thighs or, or why was I bothered about having a flat stomach when now I'm having a boob removed so I don't die and and I think it was that moment almost you know a progression from that to going you know this you know what I thought before before about my body really doesn't matter now this is my new kind of normal. Mm. And and I think as a result of that, I've I have just found a yeah a, a, a newfound self confidence, um, and also uh, it, it's combined with not sweating the small stuff yeah. as well. I think that's that's probably where it comes from. Okay, Vera, I, I, oh, oh, go on. Sorry, I'm sorry, Vera. I was getting excited because I I, <laughs> I had this revelation, like the, the the fact that I'm still alive. Right. And and what my body can do. Right. Mm. So if I focus on actually what it can do, I have so much more appreciation for it. And it's not perfect and it won't ever be perfect. And that doesn't exist. And sod it what anybody else thinks, because a lot of women don't get the privilege to stand here today because of their journeys. And so, uh, you know, that doesn't mean that I'm immune from feeling crappy because some days I hate that I look at it and it's mutilated and I feel terrible. So it's not that we're all kind of super women, mm. 
But the fact is, I think, like Sarah was saying, it's that perspective when you've come from a different place and you suddenly go, well, hang on a minute. There's so much more to consider here. I am really lucky to be standing here because there's a, a billion women right now who'd give anything to have the opportunities that I have. So, you know, it doesn't invalidate my experience, doesn't invalidate my feelings, but it anchors me to rem- remember that, do you know what, I'm pretty lucky right about now. Yeah. So. Um, sorry. <laughs> no, no, don't say sorry. Leslie, I'll be with you in just one second because you're the only lady who didn't put her hand up. Mm. Vera, you slowly put your hand up when I asked, yes. are, are any of you more confident having had breast cancer? Go on, what was in your head? First, I thought I'm not going to start talking about me, Um, but yes, actually I will, because (laughs) I I felt um, that I've given so much to my family. I migrated from Kosovo to this country and I had kids, young family. So I was dealing with, you know, studying, getting requalified here. So I became a doctor and I was in the middle of doing um, my medical exam. So I had chemotherapy and I went for the exam and I passed it with my with no hair, with a cup. And I remember one of my colleagues said to me, oh my God, you're so stylish. I'm thinking, you don't want to know what's underneath the cap. There's nothing in there, but that's another uh, discussion. But And then I felt, I, I felt so proud of myself. And I said to myself, while I was dealing with illness, I was in hospital, I was alone in there on the ward. And I said there was nobody around me, obviously, for 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 important reasons. And then since then I said, okay, I've done so much for my family. This is my time. Mm. And it never stopped since then. I work, I'm kind of compensating everything with, with work, which is downside what I do. I should have more hobbies as my son is saying find a hobby mommy don't come into my room <laughs> and, and and sit here <laughs> obviously but i think i i i got the self-love and i try to nourish that in a different way i am much more healthier i do exercise so and when my husband sometimes we get into kind of disagreement or something i said do you know what i i really don't kind of I don't want to say I don't care. Mm. I, I say to him, you can do whatever you want. You know, now I'm I'm kind of the one to argue, do whatever you want, feel free. So it's kind of I put myself first. And I, I think I never done that before. Leslie, you you didn't put your hand up when I asked if any any anybody was perhaps more confident for for, for particular reasons, as we heard from Sarah mm. and Samantha. Mm. Tell us what, what you're thinking. Um, I think I was thinking more physically. Mm. I don't think I'm co- as confident physically. And I think that for the reasons I've already said, yeah. really, I think what has changed, I think, I feel like it's been quite traumatic having four cancers and it's sort of keep picking yourself up again. And I'm really proud of the fact that I have, you know, I'm, I'm back at work like we're in the NHS now and I'm supporting staff mm. um, who have been through COVID and, you know, all the trauma they've been through. And and I kept going, you know, mm. and I think and it's really deep in my relationships with my family and my friends because, you know, I just feel so lucky having them beside me and they've been tremendous really, um, who's supporting me all the way through this. And I think I get it now. As I said, you know, when I work with people eating disorders, I got it, but not at the depth I get it now. 
And so in that way, I feel I'm a better psychotherapist. Um, I feel like I can really understand it and and I'm not shy to move away from it either. I'm not frightened of it anymore. Mm. I just think if somebody tells me something, I can get that despair and I can be with it. And that makes me a better therapist, you know? Yeah. So that in, in that way, yeah. It's so more someone, emotional. I think I'm, I am more emotional since I had the illness. Is that happening with yeah. you guys? I, I definitely cry okay. more. I mean, I was always a big softie and always wore my heart <laughs> on my sleeve. <laughs> but I, I, I can cry anything, you know? At any moment, and I'm cool about that. I cry. I've, I've cried on TV so many times; it's embarrassing, but it's fine. It's fine, isn't it? It's absolutely, absolutely. fine. Absolutely, it's real, isn't it? Yeah. It's just more, more empathy. At least I, I gain quite a lot of empathy towards people in general. What would you say to someone who's listening to this podcast right now, who's going through what you have been through? What would your advice be? Ask for, accept help. Because uh, that was really hard for me. No, you know, I, I could definitely couldn't ask for help, but the help was there and the support and love was there. And I found it um, uh, very difficult to lean on my community and lean on people. I wanted to be seen to be able to do it all by myself. And that um, that's not helpful. I think people want to help. You're not a burden. So um, I would want to help if someone was, you know, going mm. through something. So don't be afraid to to lean on the people around you and and it's not a solo battle although a lot of it is solo and you're going to have to you know go to whatever places yourself i think yeah be open to that love and outpouring that that is there yeah so that would be mine and there's brighter days you know yeah mm -hmm. Tom you know tomorrow will come hopefully mm -hmm. sarah what would your advice be i think it would be to accept that however you're feeling, whatever your reaction is, is normal. There is no, should I be feeling like this? Why aren't I feeling something different? When am I going to get over this, this feeling? However you're feeling, that is how you're feeling. There is no point trying to rationalize it, you know, anymore. You will feel that way until you don't feel that way. And um, I think I had an oncology counselor who was really, really, fantastic and she pointed out don't project don't project forward stay where you are now deal with how you're feeling now and in six months time you may look back and go I can't believe I felt like that mm. and that is actually true there is you know it is so true um you know and I can I can think that that's that's a really kind of it can be really helpful to think that you know acceptance of 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 how you're feeling the other thing i would suggest is suggest is don't google breast cancer don't join forums where <laughs> women talk about breast cancer because generally all they will do is talk about their bad experiences the negative the, the negativity of it all um, and yes, obviously that clearly exists, but that will not help you mm. when you're going through it yourself. I switched off any of that stuff. I chose not to Google it um, and just dealt with kind of how I was feeling at that point in time and, and left it at that. Vera? I feel that women will obviously be quite sensitive toward a lot of um things that is happening to them in life could be emotional you know could be physical could be interpersonal but it's okay to have bad days and you know it's okay to feel you know 
emotional and crying, but then, you know, it's good to know that, you know, you are here and, and things will improve with a sufficient support. So it's okay to to sometimes not be yourself. And, and, and obviously that, you know, that is important for, for women to know. It's okay. We are all human. Leslie? I think I'd you know, echo what everyone else has said, but I think I'd, I'd probably add that there's so much investment in us being strong. There's so much investment in us cracking on, you know, it's so British in our culture. And I think actually being strong is just being who you are. And that means bringing all your tears or sadness or fears or whatever and just acknowledging those because the more it goes inside, I think the harder it is to recover. So I think, you know, I, I mean, I use the arts a lot and I, I draw, you know, there's a song that really followed me through and I felt, because I've got quite a strong faith as well, and it was a pretenders, I'll stand by you. Mm. And the words in that, honestly, the times when I was in bits was a time when that song would come on the radio. And I just think that's that's for me, that song. And I think what we can touch to, that anything that expresses what we feel. And given what I've been saying earlier, I think tell your friends and family what it is you need from them. And if it is, please don't notice my breasts or whatever it is, then ask for that. And yeah. that's what I think Sam was saying as well. Yeah, just ask for help, yeah. whatever you need. And don't be ashamed of having a different experience or being upset. Like yeah. you said, Victoria, you know, if you cry, you cry for good reason, mm. really. Too right. Yeah. Mm. Or no reason at all. And that's also fine. <laughs> yeah, <you know>? <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> Uh, ladies, thank you so much. Honestly, it's been so lovely talking to you this afternoon. Uh, I want to say if people want more information about breast cancer, then please go to the Future Dreams Breast Cancer Charity website. You can contact me at any time. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. It's at Vic Derbyshire. Um, what else do I need to say? I think that's probably it. That's probably it, isn't it? Apart from a big thank you to Samantha and Sarah and Vera. And we didn't even mention your daughter, Rita, did we, Vera Aura? <laughs> so I'm very, I'm very pleased with myself for not mentioning her. And Leslie, thank you Some so much. Some people call me Rita, so... Do they? <laughs> well, it's kind of similar sounding yeah, 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 yeah. name Vera Rita yeah, name. yeah 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 I'm glad yeah. I didn't get that thank wrong thank you so much yeah. thank you all of you yeah, honestly thank you you've been amazing me. thank you and uh, obviously loads of love and best wishes as you go forward yeah. yes to you too thank same you. to you thank you and then came breast cancer is a factory originals and six foot six production Future Dreams Breast Cancer Charity hopes you found this podcast helpful. We fund awareness, support and research. If you would like to help us do more, please text WeCare to 7500 to make a £5 donation or visit our website at futuredreams.org.uk forward slash donate. Future Dreams Breast Cancer Charity will receive 100% of your donation. Text costs your donation plus one standard rate text message, UK only. Always get the bill payers' permission. We would like to contact you on your mobile phone with news and updates. If you would rather opt out, then please add no info to the end of your message. For example, we care, no info. Thank you again for listening.